With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Joe show. Say hi, Al. Hey there. <laughs> it's Sunday, and guess, guess what? That means that we are on the air, and this is the next day show. And one thing that we noticed last week when uh, we were viewing some of the videos from uh, when we were talking about the habitat, that's the guy's name again? Okay. The guy with the videos made the habitat last week. Oh, Kurt. Kurt, or Curtis. Curtis yeah. Anyway, one of the things he said was that one of the biggest questions, or one of the most asked questions that he was getting while inside the habitat through his Twitter feed was, how in the world did you go to the bathroom? <laughs> we seem to be fixated on this, so we decided to, uh, to do a whole episode on how to nuke the poop. So, with that, I'm going to be, uh, I have a little bit of problem with the uh, chat right now, so I, as I, as we're, we're talking here, I'll try to fix that, so I can include a lot of these uh, particular uh, links that we're talking about. However, if you go on to Earthseed Space on Facebook, on Facebook, so Earthseed, Earthseed Space. On Facebook, you can scroll down and find all the links that we're talking about. Again, the links that having to do with obviously toilets. The first one we're going to start with. Well, actually, we're going to talk a little bit about where toilets have come and gone over the centuries and literally eons. You know, for for one of the things that we know today. Uh, or that we ascribe with toilets is, is that they are the ultimate unmentionable. Nobody likes to talk about the toilets. There are issues with just plain, it's icky. Who wants to deal with that? I mean, women have ragged on guys peeing all over everything and around the toilet, and 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 guys have ragged, why do I got to put the seat down? It's just put it down, you know? Um, it's not a natural thing for them, apparently. Well, uh, the opinions, uh, yeah, we know. Okay. So, but here's the thing. When we're thinking about moving into space or moving on to the moon or on to Mars, um, we can't just dig a hole, go outside and squat. It ain't going to work that way. Uh, the moon is about as unhospitable as you can get. And Mars ain't very far behind. And heaven forbid, if we talk about Callisto or Titan or Ganymede, these are all rocky worlds, but hey, you know, they got gravity enough to, 
can grab it and hold on to it, but do we really want to fill up these places with our waste products? So we're going to take a little tour and understanding the toilet and human waste today. Um, one of the things that really kind of got me going is there's a great video by the King of Random. He's on um, YouTube. Uh, look him up. You can talk. look for the business bucket. This thing is kind of, it's, it's a riot. He does a really good deal with this video. It's fun. It's entertaining. It's also educational. Um, and one has to remember that he actually blends several toilet types that we'll be talking about here in just a minute. But let's talk about why the toilet is such an unmentionable type of thing. Um, I do like how he camouflages it. Yes, he did do a good job of it. Actually, I think the bucket came that way, but I'm not sure. Um not sure where he found it, if it was tagged out. Right. Um, it's interesting. He could have gotten it at a um, uh, an outdoor store, probably. That would be my guess. So anyway, the whole thing about toilets is that we humans generate, well, our bodies generate two kinds of waste product. There's the solid waste and the liquid waste. The liquid waste isn't actually too bad because actually, medically speaking, it's already sterile. So it really doesn't carry much in the way of diseases most of the time. Uh, and, and, and in fact, you can actually go out and pee on the garden. However, the acids and ammonias and things like that will actually burn the plants. But if you dilute it, you can then put it on the garden all you want. And, and it's actually because of the nitrogens and other things that are in the urine, it's actually good for the plants. And so that's not a real big issue. The thing that becomes the issue is the solid waste. And here's the problem with the solid waste. The solid waste carries a lot of bacteria with it from our bodies. It carries a lot of the pathogens that we are expelling for whatever reason. Um, also, that once that waste is deposited, perchance in the bush somewhere, um, there are other bacteria and things that do like to congregate there. We all know about flies. Um, and these tend to add to the mix and create an environment that is very unhealthy. And the more deposits you make under that bush, the more likely you are to create an environment that is going to foster deadly diseases like cholera, for an example. So this is where the term sewage comes from and why we call it black water. Because if this stuff gets into your water supply, you're talking serious health risks. I mean, not just risk, but real dangers. And there's not a whole lot you can do about it once it gets into the water system other than start purifying your water. The interesting thing is, is that um, this idea of black water, this idea of sewage and, and flush and be gone waste is creating all sorts of havoc with our world today. Um, the sewage treatment plants in our cities are beginning to run up against diminishing returns. Um, we aren't recycling the fluids. Instead, we're using a lot of our fluids. And here's the thing to think about. On average, and again, I'm ballparking here, on average, every flush down the toilet, whether liquid or solid, takes a gallon of drinking water with it. That's what we're doing in our houses every single day. And on average, a typical person eating healthy will generally squat on that toilet and leave a, a solid deposit two to three times a day if you're healthy. Now, the thing I'm trying to get to here is. <laughs> it depends how many meals you have. There you go. But even so. I, you um, know, what you're trying to say is we're full of it. 
No, what I'm trying to say is <laughs> we're throwing away three gallons of water minimum every day. That's a gallon of water for every squat. And that's not healthy. No. That's drinking water worth throwing away. And the whole point of what Earthseed is all about is learning to live with our environment and to work um, and understand ways that we can process this stuff into things we can actually use. But as we're going to do that, I, I want to refer to you. One of the neat things that we have that we can look at is, is Wikipedia has a, a very uh, detailed article that talks about toilets, and it's simply called toilet. So if you go on to Wikipedia, or if you search <laughs> Wikipedia space toilet, you're going to find this article. And they got a whole bunch of neat information. I mean, they even talk about that something I didn't know is that some cultures actually have toilet etiquette. And that some behaviors in various different cultures around the world are based on an understanding of which hand you're using to clean yourself at the toilet. So little details um, that can make all the difference in a particular culture. Um, which I thought was interesting what you said about the Chinese and I go, wait a minute. Well, not the Chinese. It was Asians. Asians. Yeah. So they lumped them all together. According to Wikipedia, Asians <laughs> typically use their left hand for cleansing. Yeah, I think that's that's interesting they lumped them all together like that. True. Like, okay. Yeah, I'll, but I'll, I'll give them that. Yeah, you know, the way it is. So, without further ado, we're going to talk a little bit more about toilets from around the world. And in fact, there is an article that we had. It's on the Facebook page. Uh, toilets around the world. And Benjamin, I'm going to give you a little Benjamin Franklin plumbing. Benjamin Franklin plumbing. This one I kind of stumbled on, and I found it very interesting in that they talk about several different styles of toilets and so forth. But I want to go back a little bit further from what they talk about and go way back to the very beginning of toilets. And we've all been there. Those of you who are hunters or fishermen, there's always a bush nearby. You know, the idea. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, so there's always a bush nearby. And that was the beginning of the very first style and the oldest style of toilet, which actually, interestingly enough, is still in use today in most non-industrialized countries. Like the outhouse? Well, the outhouse is an outgrowth of it. I mean, I guess some people didn't have bushes to squat around, so they built built little walls and, and, and a little spot and dug a pit. And now we have these squat toilets and latrines and outhouses. Mm -hmm. And of course the evolution continues from there that when you look at um, uh, Indian and uh, Eastern European, as well as Asians, you find a lot of toilets are actually squat toilets. In other words, they don't have a commode, right. an upright seat anywhere. You go in, you you pull your pants down, you squat, okay. do your thing. I think we need a whole rundown of how this works here. There, uh, <laughs> there are sites out there that actually have given rundowns on, on so some of the issues they face. They have to tell you that you need to pull your pants down first, and you're in trouble already. Well, that's true. That's <laughs> true. Nothing like walking around town with a pair okay. of lumpy drawers. Okay. <laughs> Those are getting dirty fast. <laughs> anyway, okay. So we start out with the bush, basically the bush we do do the squats at, and and then we've we've migrated to that. Now in the Middle Ages, they created they they started using 
chamber pots. Now think about this. This is where the term chambermaid came from because the chambermaid's job yeah. was to empty they, those pots every day. And they didn't have gloves on. No. They just washed a whole lot. So just think about that. They just washed every chance they got. <laughs> um, so, and from the chamber pots, we then went to latrine pits, and gradually the chamber pots gave way to indoor um, squat toilets that would be on the outside walls of a home, yeah. and they would drop down um, to a pit, and from there it would hopefully be taken out somewhere and disposed of. Yeah, you don't want to be and, near that side of the wall. Then somebody decided to, (laughs) instead of making you squat, allow you to sit at your leisure. So they created a little um, box there and they put a seat on it. Now you could sit while you did your business. And of course, for most of the Western world, that's how we do it. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. And we use our cell phones. Right. And of course, if you'll remember, unless you come prepared out in the woods, you are relegated to using leaves. Yeah. Uh, to clean oneself. Unless, of course, you use random thing of randoms. Well, uh, <laughs> thing where you come prepared come and you pot. have your toilet paper. So. But in, uh, in, in fact, in Japan and in some European countries now, they have been using what's called a bidet for many years, yeah. uh, which actually uses that, a spray of water to a, help you clean yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, some of them have, have these even warmed water. Uh, for you that isn't quite a shock on your backside. Um, so, but d- just to give you some ideas here. In the middle of night, five in the morning, you went to the bathroom and you're hit with cold water. That would be a bummer. Well, it would sure wake you up. <laughs> that would wake me up everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but again, who of us hasn't gone in, sat down, done our business, and gotten splashed uh, from the dropping? <laughs> Gives whole new meaning to the words backwash. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> everybody who knows me probably know at this point I probably have my hand on my face going, Oh my god, I can't believe this how how decorated this has actually gotten to. Well, it's gonna get worse before it gets better. <laughs> there are Well, there are several okay. varieties of toilets okay. to think about because one of the things here's one that I caught purely by accident and it's actually lift, listed in the Wikipedia article, and they talk about a flying toilet. <laughs> now, this is actually, uh, it is actually closer to what it sounds like in the sense. <laughs> in the that, <laughs> No, not quite that bad. But the idea is, is you do your business in a bag, tie the bag off, and then you throw it as far as you can to get it away from you, thus the flying toilet. Uh, obviously, an old camper's tour story. That, that would be awful to be, you know, throwing it in the middle of the woods and, and you happen to be going walking through the woods. Or even worse. And it goes flat. Well, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the upside is that the plastic will probably contain it okay. and it'll just be shocked. But the downside is, is that, say, on another note, you're walking in the woods and you come across this unsightly big black trash bag in yeah. the woods on your hiking trail, and you go to move your, you go to with your foot, push it off to the side, and it shreds from the UV radiation, and you get this all over your feet because when it's inside that yeah. plastic bag, all it does is decompose further, and now it becomes a bigger mess. Which is why you so. need to nuke the poop. Which is why you don't need to be creating a flying toilet at your campsite or RV <laughs> site. Bad karma there. 
that could come back and land on your RV if you're not looking out right for yourself. The next thing was is a floating toilet somebody decided to do. Now, a floating toilet is very similar, okay? But instead of being out on, on, on the desert or in the, in the forest or anything like this, you're, you're over water. You're on a creek or something like this. And so this is, this is where probably the term floaties came into being. <laughs> so, and I don't know how to do fishing, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and for the last, for the last ep, uh, part of the puns here, there is a third type that is called a pig toilet. And in actuality, for many places in rural areas, particularly farming areas, uh, this actually has been a common practice for uh, many decades, if not a couple of centuries, where your privy is actually located on the wall to the pig pen. Because pigs are known, we'll eat anything. And so the term slop <laughs> is apropos for the pig pen and why oh. it's called a pig sty. So there's, there's the last of our gross talk. But one last thing is I mentioned earlier that sometimes when we go to clean ourselves, we actually have three, po- three choices these days that are considered part of, the, part of the ritual of depositing our waste somewhere. One is using leaves when out in the woods. Okay. The other is carrying your tissue paper with you. Mm-hmm. And the last is the, the wonderful European or Asian bidets that actually afford you the opportunity to actually rinse um, the waste away off of your body. I recall which is some, really some farmers in, in the East, I won't say where, the farmers in the East who used actually corn husks. To clean the backside. Yeah, and that could rub you raw real quick. I know. Because that's, that's worse than sandpaper. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and of course, if you left the kernels on the cob when you're using well, it, now it's not going to get it very clean. Well, not only that, but just ruin food. You'll take the food. <laughs> just right? ruin the idea of corn on a cob, huh? <laughs> yeah, anyway. Why did they even bring that up? Should know freaking better right now. Yes, you should know better. <laughs> um, so anyway, so now that we're 15 minutes into the show and we've gone through all the nasty, punny, done, stupid ready. things about human waste and toilets and things like this, we're actually kind of get a little bit serious here. Um, and there was an interesting article just recently from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundations. They oh, actually held a conference. I believe this was in Germany, if I'm not mistaken. No, Excuse me. And the, the goal of, of course, Bill and Melinda Gates is to um, find ways to help uh, particularly third world countries uh, grow in their ability to take care of themselves, not only just in things like growing food, um, getting clothing and, and things, uh, housing, protection from the weather, but also in learning about sanitation and helping them to have the resources to handle the sanitation that they must deal with in their um, less developed world. And so they held a conference in Beijing and this um, toilet event um, has actually been ongoing for nigh on 10 years. Um, Several years ago, they actually held a competition for 
people to design a better toilet. Now, I have to admit that one of the, the toilet that happened to have been spotlighted as a handyman, it terrifies me because the number of gears and parts and heating elements and pumps and moving parts. Was that the see-through one? That was the see-through one. Again, that's just a prototype. I know. But, but all those parts down inside the toilet, I mean, okay, something's wrong here. The engineers just had way too much so, time so on So they need to add a screwdriver next to the toilet paper, apparently. Well, I don't know about a screwdriver is even going to work. But the point is, the toilet functions, and that's okay. When you look at the toilets, I, here's one. Have you seen Have you seen the commercial where the guy walks into the bathroom, the really high-tech bathroom, and there's three or four robots sitting there, and they're having a conversation about the toilet, and ultimately with the toilet. And the toilet is actually talking to the robots, and the guy walks in, and, and they says, and the robots say something like, we'll give you some privacy. He says, no, I'll come back later. <laughs> Toilets have become extremely high-tech these days. They know when you walk into the room and they lift the, lift the lid. I mean, how inviting is that, right? That's, that's like Google or Facebook knowing when you're doing things at all times. Now they can follow you in the bathroom. Well, yeah, there's that true. And then, and then they can order the toilet paper for you. Have it delivered by drone. Yeah. I can see it now. Okay, You're sitting on the toilet. You've just done your business. Point, point in case. Okay. Yesterday I was having trouble with Facebook on my phone. And Facebook emailed me and said, we noticed you are having trouble logging onto your Facebook app on the phone. Oh, my God. Now we're talking about a matter of minutes. Okay. So. Yeah, toilets in the bathroom, so who's talking, know what kind of business, and probably even check to see, check to even see <laughs> whether or not you're eating healthy. And, of course, that leads to all sorts of other privacy issues. So, what about privacy? Wow, privacy on the privy. <laughs> Well, yeah, has yeah, at least and, and here's the thing one of the articles that I had read about a person traveling through Eastern Europe had talked about going into a toilet a public toilet mind you okay. and it was public inside in other words it didn't have any walls or stalls you just had this row of squat toilets there and so you so put your pants it, it is that way with other countries it they is that have, way with a lot of countries they don't have stalls they don't have uh, you know I know that there's actually public uh, they actually have ro- rules and regulations regarding how much space and uh, how many solves you need per number of people who can possibly be in your location at any given right. time. Right. So they don't have that in other countries, people. Yeah, and and it has to do with the ick factor that we've experienced here in this country, in Western countries specifically, but also that. There is an aspect of well, everybody does it. Well, I hide it. Aspect of lack of privacy in other countries. Well, they're used to that. They're used to well, yeah. They're used to walking through the woods or walking through the through the town. You yes. come upon somebody he's doing his business. It's like, okay, so what? Hey, did you remember that you still got my my sander, right? Yeah. Okay. See ya. Um, 
There is the story <laughs> of, I, I think it was That's my really stepfather shared it with me. <laughs> um, and when when a person goes out to engage public speaking, in other words, they're going out to give a talk for a while and they're nervous as all get out. And there is a story that is circulated. Just imagine the person you're talking to, if you're really that uncomfortable, if you're really scared or intimidated, imagine them sitting on the toilet. You know. And it does put a person in perspective because it reminds us that everybody does this. This is not something we should avoid talking about. It is not something we should avoid addressing. Well, and I in point of fact, again, I remember when my family had this one toilet in their house because we had a, we had a like an apartment in the front that we rented out to another family, and so there's one toilet for four of us. Mm-hmm. It wasn't unusual for somebody to be sitting on the toilet because my dad liked to just plain sit there for a long period of time. And uh, my brother would walk in and, and talk to them, or they'd be brushing their teeth while somebody else was taking a dump, as you put it. Making it's, a deposit. Making a deposit. There's not unusual, especially with families who, again, have uh, very little space. So I would think that, you know, again, with the less people in a house that is large enough, they seem to take the privacy a lot more serious than mm-hmm. those of us who don't or lack the space. Well, and and, think about and this. forced to really do those things. Well, and, you know, and while that's true. And don't think anything about it. No, they don't. Um, when, when you look at the difference, as you point out, those of us in Western society, we, we purchase two or three bedroom homes yeah. and many of people with homes like that don't have kids yet. So they use, one bedroom is an office for him, and one's a den for, den for him, and one's a, a craft room for her, or it's office for both, or whatever. But we are able to uh, afford this kind of luxury accommodations, and, and we don't are, think and, anything. And two or three bedrooms in the house. And we don't think anything about an entire gallon of drinking water gets flushed down the toilet every time we use it. And there's two toilets, or, or three toilets in the house. Right. So... Let's talk about how this is going to affect um, not only life on Earth and how we really need to do something like this, because there is a genuine concern that we have enough drinking water for humans on the planet. Not because the drinking water itself is running out, but because we're using it up and turning it into wastewater or sewage faster than we can get it recycled. And so the only way to break the cycle is to not be flushing a gallon of drinking water down the toilet every time we flush. Yeah. And so there are many people working on this challenge. Um, people are coming up with bucket toilets. There are now composting toilets. And, and get this, there are even incinerating toilets that <laughs> actually burn the waste up. The one thing that's, that's um, consistent with all of these toilets has to do with an important principle that they separate the two types of waste that we produce. You don't, because part of the problem with sewage. Well, the regular toilets don't do that, do they? No. I see. Traditional ceramic toilet in homes today do not separate 
um, fecal waste from urine waste. And so here's the next thing. Not only do they not separate them, but they're adding a gallon to it per flush. So, And what we've learned in the past 20 years or so is that the biggest problem with sewage is literally that there's water in it. If you remove the water from fecal waste, it will dry out and desiccate within a few days. And then it becomes part of the environment. The bacteria are pretty much gone. They can't survive without the moisture. And so then it goes back into the soil where it belongs, and it's, it's no big deal. But it can't do that if we're adding urine to it and then turning around and adding a gallon of water to each particular deposit to get it to go away. So the newer toilets that are coming out today are working on not only reducing the amount of water that we flush down the toilet, but also in separating the urine from the fecal matter and thereby providing the opportunity that we can dry out that fecal matter and turn it into compost. Now, what's interesting here is that there are also studies being done are demonstrating that the waste can, if divided, can be used in your garden if you, if you just follow some basic steps. Now, one of those steps, I mean, let's just talk about urine for a minute. The, the urine has ammonia is probably one of the biggest things that we notice. That's what generates the greatest amount of the smell. It's what we notice the most. Right. All right. But there are also other things in there, sometimes particulates, things that our body is passing off, nitrogen, um, nitrates, other things like that in the urine that are uncomfortable for us. But the thing about it is, is that from a health and safety standpoint, urine is sterile. There's not a whole lot of stuff that can hurt you in it. I okay. mean, it stinks. So, case, case in point, Waterworld. Okay. That's a movie with uh, Kevin Costner that people uh-huh. like to make fun of. Mm-hmm. But uh, Contiki also did the same thing uh, about being able to redo, you know, use use your urine and, and obviously put it through a uh, filtering system, which is really simple to do. Mm-hmm. And then were you drinking? And now you're thinking, okay, well, he was out in the middle of water. Yes, but it wasn't drinkable. Mm-hmm. And again, you had to actually process it. And so he had to constantly re- reprocessing his urine. Basically, he just ran a distiller. Mm-hmm. You set the you you have a, a large reservoir into which you put your urine in the bottom, and you have a cup in the center with a pebble in the in the plastic wrap. Uh, we're taught this in Boy Scouts as a way to capture water from cactus. Uh, okay. uh, it's just go. it's a solar still, and basically the heat from the sun uh, causes any fluid within the materials in the, in your little pit. To evaporate, it condenses on the plastic, drops down towards the pebble and into the cup, and you have a cup of drinking water. The downside is is it takes a lot of cactus pieces and a lot of plant material to generate enough water to keep you alive. There you go. So if you use a little bit of energy, you can actually boil the urine, distill it in the same manner into another reservoir, and you have, generally speaking, clean drinking water at that point 
without all of the gunk that's left behind in the boiling pot. Well, here's my question. Mm -hmm. What color is it going to be? The water in the distillation cup is going to be clean and clear. Okay. Because water, when it evaporates, generally doesn't take any of the other stuff with it because it's too heavy. So it's the other stuff that's causing the, the color change. Right. Okay. It's the ammonia, the nitrates, and all the other and then any particulates that may be in there that cause the color change. Okay. And in fact, um, if you are adequately hydrated, your urine is usually clear. Yeah. So the, the, the color of your urine designates how concentrated the material that you're giving out is. The more yellow it is, uh, the more you're not drinking enough water. You are not healthy if your urine is that yellow. Yeah. You're not drinking enough water. In fact, Dr. Oz, not too long ago, just a few months ago, had a show where he talked about waste products. Uh, he talked right. about poop and pee. And he talked about how with urine, if your urine is yellow, you're not drinking enough water. Yeah. Your urine should be clear. Which is one reason why uh, my urologist didn't want the very beginning, the very first deposit mm-hmm. in the morning because that's that's got different things in it than than as you the day progresses. Sure. Which makes sense. Right. And your fecal matter is the same way. It um it is normal for the average reasonably healthy human to make deposits in the course of a day. You might have three, sometimes as many as four deposits in a day. Well, unless you're diuretic, and then we don't even talk about single deposits. It's all one deposit all day long. We yeah, hope I, not, but, I, I yeah, we've been there. Time. We've all been there, right? Yeah, we all have things right. like that. A running deposit. Yeah. Anyway. One that keeps on giving. Yes. <laughs> so, but anyway, so these toilets. Kind of like a running joke. Kind of like a running joke. Yes. <laughs> so the Bill and Melinda Gates did this conference in Beijing, and they actually had 20 different toilets on display where people had come up with different ideas. And here's the thing. When I look at toilets and I look at um, the idea, most of these things are looking at a way to simply get rid of the waste. The, the spotlighted toilet in the article uh, takes the waste, um, evaporates the urine, and then consolidates the other waste by incinerating the fecal matter, turning it into little bitty pellets, and then the pellets are discarded. Here's my problem with this. Human waste is viable fertilizer if processed in, the, in an appropriate manner. Um, and that appropriate manner is actually very, very simple to do. There are composting toilets on the market today that by adding dry matter, such as anything from sawdust to coconut core to just dirt for, the, for lack of something else, serves to dry out the fecal matter and allow it to degrade and decompose into its component parts and ultimately blends with the dirt. And what, you're end, what you end up with after uh, a few days or up to a week is dirt. And you can toss that dirt in a compost pile. 
And then that composting continues to ultimately give you compost. As far as the urine goes, you can take the fluids out. You can take them and dilute them and then pour them right on the garden. There are no issues with that. Um, Now, the challenge that I've been looking at with the bus is exactly this. Let's say you're on a moon. Just bear with me for a minute, okay? We'll even, assume, though, even, even those who think we've never been on a moon. Right, okay. We'll assume there's a spacesuit available, and we'll assume that there's a habitat. Uh, but let's, let's think about this for a minute. Or no, let's, let's something closer to home. The International Space Station. Okay. They have this device up there. It's a monstrosity. And all it does is it captures both urine from the astronauts and moisture in the air. So it's a, it's a, it's a big overgrown dehumidifier, for one thing. But it takes the moisture and the fluids that the astronauts secrete, captures those as well, puts it all through a little distiller process to generate drinking water. Okay. But there's always a little bit of waste material left over. Because in urine, you do have, you've got the nitrates, you've got the ammonia and stuff like that. So what do you do with that stuff? Well, ammonia and nitrates are key ingredients for fertilizer. They are the key ingredients. Without them, fertilizers don't work. When we're looking at living in space. Ultimate recycling. Ultimate recycling. When we're looking at living in space or we're looking at living on the moon or we're just looking at living on Earth with a more responsible sense of mind on this, we have to learn to reuse everything. The words have been bandied about for some time now that we live in a throwaway society. And if the toilet, if the Western standard, Western traditional toilet doesn't exemplify that, I don't know what does you make your deposit, you flush and forget. And some poor schmuck down at the city has to deal with all of this waste from the entire city or his section of the city. And if, if we're depositing three gallons per person per day, I cannot imagine the amount of sewage that must have to be pushed through the recycling plant. I thought about it before, but I tried, then I tried to push it away. Yeah. You try to push (laughs) it away. But the reality is, Probably three quarters of that sewage is water is drinking water that we have thrown away. I mean, that's which is sacrilege considering that we live in a desert. We live in a desert and we're throwing away three quarters of a water supply down the toilet. And the whole the whole thing is when you consider the issue of sewage just in general. There's a lot of other things we throw down the toilet that we don't really need to. Yeah. A large majority of the things that we typically okay. throw down the toilet, not including toilet paper. Well, no, but, okay, um, I went to uh, Walmart, okay, and I saw flushable wipes. Mm-hmm. First of all, I know that a lot of these toilets can't handle flushing any kind of that solid of, of material anyway. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that 
you're flushing other things like that down the toilet, like baby wipes or, you know, whatever. Tampons. Yeah. Some people still do that. Well, I wouldn't have said it that way, but okay. I know what you're Tampons, paper towels, mop water. We don't say that word. Okay. Um, and then there's there's the kids. Hygiene well, or, or and then there's the kids, and then there's infants who are discovering the toilet, and they're dropping whole diapers down the toilet. Or, or my son in particular, who decided to take the plastic roll uh, off of the plastic roll holder, and and think that it's, you should go down the toilet along with the rest of the toilet paper. So. <laughs> Which got stuck in there for a long period of time because my husband didn't want to pull it up and actually dig it out. Well, if you think about a child, it's fun to watch things disappear. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like Every like, time ooh, I pull this lever, ooh. things disappear. Ooh, and it does I this just, nice, neat yeah. little swirl, and off it goes. And before you know it, you're sticking all sorts of stuff down well, there yeah. see whether or not it'll flush. I have, as a handyman, I have had to clean out some oh, drains <laughs> over the years. Oh, no. And I will tell you, warning, warning. <laughs> I have found some interesting things caught in toilets or in the drains Wait, just down from the maybe toilet. We won't bring I mean, there are <laughs> ink pens, credit cards. Really? Yes. I found a rag uh, recently. Um, I can that... understand the rag, but a, t- a, a credit card? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was actually a room card. I was working in a hotel at the time. Oh. And the card must have fallen out out of their pocket and down into the toilet, or they had set it on the back of the toilet when they were done. They probably pulled their hair out trying to find the darn thing, trying to figure out where it went. Probably. There it was. There it was. We found it uh, the next day. Well, actually, a week later. Um, That's a mess right then. (laughs) And, but I actually, I, I had to take one toilet completely off lifted off the floor, Mm -hmm. turned it over, and we found a child's block in the bottom of the toilet. Okay, see, this is what I'm talking about. Kids like to throw things in the toilet to see if they'll go down. Well, it makes a splash. It's fun. It does the swirly thing. So, yeah. And now, on the one side, I really don't like the idea of taking away a child's toy. But in this instance... um, these types of things can often end up in the sewage system. Yeah. And when you're looking at credit cards and ink pens, these are these are things that will further pollute yeah. the sewage system. Exactly. And they have to be screened out, and then they have to be cleaned up. Well, that's what I'm saying. Here, here, here they're selling disposable wipes hmm. for you to use. And I'm going like, okay, so that's a whole new problem that... Well, and... I yeah. know these kind of wipes. They have a little alcohol thing yeah. on them. And, yeah. you know, the, the Again, minute you open that, here's, here's the thing. You talked earlier about the bidet and that cold flash of water on your skin. But these little wipes, they're alcohol wipes. The minute you open up to the air, they start getting cold really fast. And dry out. And, exactly. and they dry out really fast. So that just doesn't make sense. So, you know, there, there's things about this whole thing that, we were a little overboard when we start having to, you know, have sanitary wipes just to clean ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's what kind of like the bathtub is for, you know, to shower. Get in, take a shower, you're done. No big deal. But then again, this is probably why those French right. people have the bidet, okay? All right. So let's, let's talk about um, how this applies more to the International Space Station and so forth. Now, they've had to come up with some really intriguing ways, and I'll let you guys read about it. 
on your own. They can't use water like like we've been using water. No. In fact, for them, using water to flush is an absolute forbidden no-no. You're not allowed. You do not flush. And in fact, uh, there's no such thing as a shower on the International Space Station. Well, first of all, there's no gravity, not enough gravity up there for the water to go in the right direction anyway. Um, I mean, they can't use aerosol. So there goes your spraying uh, the well, the dry softener to clean your hair with. Instead of taking yeah. a shower, you clean your hair with it. Right. You can't use aerosols nope. on the space station before in space. And that's because the aerosols will float after they so slow down. It's kind of pointless to, because just right. you spray something, no matter what direction you're spraying it, it's not going to go where you, where you right. think it's going to go. So uh, <laughs> read up on those. You'll find it interesting reading on how the space station toilet and uh, urinal actually works. Yeah. Um, it sounds really uncomfortable, and I'm sure it's not the most comfortable thing. But then again, um, going on vacation and having to squat in an open room to eliminate um, does not sound promising either. Again, you go anywhere around the world, not in the, not in the U.S., of course, and you're going to have well, – well, I mean, honestly, I'm sorry, Virginia. Back was Virginia probably has these – I know there are still outhouses out there. Right. There are outhouses here in the country. Hell, heck, you know, you, you go to any large public event and you see well, outhouses, yeah, the, the you, public you la- the lavatories, plastic, the porta potties. They're nothing but an outhouse. Plastic, yeah. It's just a so, big outhouse. Yeah, so, can, yeah, we use them all the time. Renaissance Festival, for instance, you, you've got like, you know, 20 of them sitting there and that's, it, that's all you've got. Yeah. Okay. And you use it. And you use it. And they don't have so back to our toilet conversation. Let's get away from all this stuff. Let's get back to the toilets and how um, are things changing. And they're actually changing fairly rapidly. Um, in the Bill and Melinda Gates, you, you really ought to take a look at the link. Uh, we put it up again on the Facebook page. Uh, so take a look at that. Take a look at some of the options that we have. And I have to tell you, though, that um, for the bus, I started out with a basic composting toilet set up. Uh, those of you who may have a memory of us publicizing the tiny home that we did several years back, um, I actually had a uh, three-chamber um, composting toilet set up in the trailer, in the tiny home that we built as a, as a prototype. And we're going to be following that with an upgraded version of that very thing soon because the um, toilet is that we have to, for the bus, not only reduce waste, but the goal is to eliminate sewage from the bus. We do not want to create sewage. With a fish pond and a garden, we have the wherewithal to actually recycle most of the waste that we're going to generate, whether it's food waste, whether it's human waste, whether it's urine, or whether it's just wash water. We can actually take that, we can dilute it, and then use it on the garden, and then the garden will filter most of that out and take what it needs and actually send the rest of it on through the fish pond and the fish and whatever else we're going to have in there um, to actually process our wastes. The biggest thing that can make a difference is a change in understanding 
what we're dealing with. And to borrow a phrase from an animated film, the circle of life. This is a real thing. And when you take just a few minutes to look at um, how this can be, um, we get the benefit of finding ways to make progress in not just reducing waste, but eliminating sewage altogether. Of course, the downside to that would be, guess what? I'm sure I don't know. Okay. If you eliminate sewage, you're eliminating the jobs of the guys at the okay. sewage processing yeah. plant. Oh, yeah. You're taking the job away from the guy who, who does dirty jobs. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, if we didn't have a sewage system, but if we had composting toilets in our homes, imagine that. No sewage system. Okay, so... No underground pipes to rupture and spread raw sewage all over our neighborhoods in a storm. just to digress a a moment. No sewage to back up in the middle of a big rainstorm and flood our homes. How many years has the walking dead been walking dead? And how can all these systems still be in place? They can't, people. So, Why? Yeah, because, again, you don't have anybody. You know, the machines stop eventually. Right. The machines will stop. Therefore, things like sewage systems will not be running the same way. The right. water is not going to be running. They're talking about, you know, all these things. Used to be, no, they're not going to be running, people. You know, we're talking what nine years of of Walking Dead, and and the machines are so no, I don't think so. So you got to well, get just, that out of your mind right away. That, that they assume that they have power. Well, yeah, okay, the, the power system that actually they've actually shown where that no longer works. Not after a couple of no. years. but which is fine, and that's well and good. But the thing is that they're still showing that the running water, and they're still, uh, you know, the system is still working. No, that's not going to happen. So that's something to keep in mind. That, you know, that's a whole new meaning of zombies. Okay. Yeah. They all know ick when it comes to zombies. <laughs> Here's a question for you. <laughs> I, I've now put up that. that if zombies are eating brains, what else would would they? Do they poop? Well, that's you know this is funny because you see these cartoons where a skeleton likes to drink and it go, you can see that it just runs right, through, right the through the rib cage and you're going like okay so apparently it's not stopping anytime soon okay right uh, yeah what about the, these these zombies who actually eat first of all I think the zombies by nine years would have been totally gone because there's no they wouldn't have enough to eat on them unless they start eating each other. Which they were doing. No, they weren't. No? No. They don't eat decayed flesh, huh? Apparently not. Oh, okay. Which means it would have died out after a few years. You would think so, yes. Well, with almost 3, billion, 3 trillion people on the planet, that's a lot of zombies. That's a, that's a heck of a lot of zombies. And, you know, even if you go through there and start killing a bunch of them off, there's still a bunch of them left. Right. So... But back never. to my question. Back to my question. Do zombies pee and poop? 
I don't know. I mean, they're not it, drinking it, much, which means their muscles and 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 what right. the digest, the none of these juices are getting refreshed. You know, they're it, not getting enough yeah, brain out of the turn, brains. brain's got water in it. But not that much. No. Because it's more There's solid mass. Enough, yeah. So they're not getting much in the way of fluids to keep their bodies moving. So there's a lot about the whole zombie thing that isn't well thought out. Zombies just wouldn't last very long. I mean, the human body is dehydrated and collapses after three days without water. We know that. Now, zombie land, well, that didn't, that wasn't quite so long. So they're cool. Okay. Well, they were only like, what, two or three days? Well, they're a little longer than that because they were actually... Finding each other, you know, the living were still finding each other oh, and, yeah. and, and heading heading west, which right. is funny. Yeah. Heading west. So you go to California. Oh my gosh, that'd be even more zombies there that don't think. So. That's even true today. Yeah, yeah no. That's what they do <laughs> zombies. It, that's, yeah. Sorry, those in California. Anyway, as our second, by the way, California, we have more listeners in California than we do in Arizona. Now, how did that happen? <laughs> so how much time we got left? We got that time thirty six. Ah, that's an hour and a half. So anyway, um, I don't know. So that's a good question. Whether or not I would think zombies would have to have something coming out, but are they aware of their bodies? I don't think needs. they would be. I, I don't think they would be. And and I think there are a whole host of. If they, I mean, think about it. If they're clothed, right, right. and they're letting loose their clothes are going to be really lumpy and they're going to dry out and it's going to make it hard to walk and you know eventually going to have to rip their clothes off so within a year tears and yeah yeah. so they're not going to have much on them after a few days anyway since they really can't eat that much because there's no way that they're going to get anything fresh yeah anytime soon so but anyway by nine years the thing about toilets is that sewage is something that's been created by man. That is not okay. a natural occurrence. Well, okay, so let's talk about that for a second. I mean, let's not talk about cats and dogs because they're too close to us as humans. But let's talk about out in the wild. Anything deposited on the ground gets at by something, whether it be beetles, crickets, uh, roaches, uh, right. bugs, okay. spiders, you know, I remember the movie about dinosaurs and, and, and their really large pile. Mm-hmm. So what is dinosaur stuff? Insects. Okay, insects so are the kings of waste. Um, so whether, it be, insects, whether it be housefly type flies or whether it be black soldier fly, earthworms and different other worms. In the environment, they love uh, decaying waste matter, and right. they get in there and they turn this into compost, and it gets. I mean, well, black soldier fly can eat ten times their waste in a matter of twenty-four hours. There you go. I mean, that's a lot of material that they can go through. Yeah. You know, so I'm not sure if they would handle that particular pile, but hey. Oh, was, sure they would. Wow. From what I've read about black soldier fly, they love fecal matter. Oh yeah, and especially the especially. Moist, yeah. not wet, wet, but moist. They really gotcha. like the moist stuff. Mm-hmm. They're they're just like us and our meat. We like our meat tender and juicy, right? But not bloody. Most people. There are those oddballs among okay. us who are still 
carnivores and like their meat hey, still yeah, fresh and warm and bloody. I, I don't. I don't like it oozing. You don't like it warm and oozing. No. Yeah. Yeah, the fresh meat is another kind of thing. Yeah, you know? that's a whole. Nother. So, but but insects, they they are a wonderful thing. And did you know? Oh, here's something to think about. There are more insects. Oh yeah. On the planet, than there have ever been humans in all of history. Right. Just at this time in history. Right. There are more insects than there were ever more people. I get know that, but I'm sure a lot of people who don't. So Right. Yeah. And it's the insects that are truly the workhorses yeah. of our uh environment. Yeah. Um they break stuff down so that um I mean look at the other ant. creatures. Ants can carry so much, man. Oh yeah. And that little bitty body. And they're making they're making homes, they're okay. making condominiums, they're they're building whole highway systems. <laughs> Literally making condominiums under there. Yeah. Yeah. And and so between the ants, the worms, the the flies, the they, these yeah. these guys, they all get. Oh, and don't forget, any kind of most types of pigs love this kind of stuff. They love waste. It's, it's they the, dive in and tunnel through with their I'm teeth. I'm sorry, but don't don't ruin my bacon, man. Don't ruin my bacon. <laughs> that whole thought just just went to the bacon, and that's just not Especially fair. Especially. If it's a farm fresh bacon, just, okay. And Don't they got their privy. They got their privy right out next to the pigsty, right? Now I know a lot of you guys, okay, and I know that you're bacon lovers too. So hey, let me tell tell Al here that with the bacon. Uh-huh. <laughs> we don't go there. Waste materials that we commonly associate as being waste materials. Mm-hmm. Are more often than not not wasteful. Now, when you look at things like plastic, yeah, that's yeah. we've got to do something with that. Yeah. When you look at electronic parts, yes, we need to do something about this. The whole thing about treating the earth as a vessel, yeah, that's important. Can we do it in a day, in a week, in a month? Not likely. But can we make an impact by understanding that we what need to we recycle better? Well, what we commonly treat as sewage is actually taking away something other than the sewage. It's taking away our drinking water. And so understanding just that first point can help us become more aware of how we can better deal with our bathroom waste and how to more appropriately um, dispose of it in a way that is actually conducive to the environment that we live in. And composting our waste along with our kittens or our dog's waste, um, putting that out into a compost pile, and then when that has matured enough, using that on the garden. Now there is no need to have a sewage system. It really is, is intriguing when you look at it from that perspective. Our sewage system is sucking the drinking water out of our cities. And that is and that if... If there's no other concept I left with you about our toilets, it is that for every flush, you're using almost a gallon of water, drinking water, to send that deposit away from you. And doesn't just come back. And that's a huge price. Think about it. A gallon of water. How long does a gallon of water last a person? It depends on how how well they're drinking. On average, that's... That's a huge amount. That's that's the average needs. It's at least three or four days. It's, it's at least a day. It's a day. No, there's more. I, I don't drink. Maybe two. Well, maybe you should. No. Whatever. You know. 
Um, I typically, on, on a hot day... Actually, I have learned that there is such a thing as too much yes. water. Sure. So uh, you have to drink enough, but not too much. And it's like... Well, when I'm working as a, as a handyman, when I'm working outside in the summer, I will, I will go through... Um, I carry a, uh, a half a gallon, old half a gallon milk jug in the car, mm-hmm. and I keep it full of water. And I will go through that a minimum of three times in the day, refilling it. Three times a day, I'll go through that. So I'll go through a gallon and a half in a day on a hot summer. On Typically on a winter day, I go through one jug a day. That's a half a gallon of water. So every time you flush, you're throwing two days worth of water away. Every time you flush, that's the thing uh, to remember. And so these toilets that Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has spotlighted are important because they're demonstrating ways to not throw away all that drinking water. Right. And when you're living in a third world country or you're living in India or you're living in rural China, that's a huge difference because we do not have the water to be wasting to simply carry away our waste. Did we talk about this one yet? All right. Let's talk about a last version of toilet that we haven't discussed yet. And, in fact, it's interesting. um, This particular article that we put up this week talks about a tiny house has a toilet that incinerates poop. That's right. Nuking the poop. Nuking the poop. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. But in order to do that, it's so then it's a whole different issue. Okay, versus plastic. The, the difference is it's an issue. Paper recyclable. Uh, now, the article with its, is quote, I'll quote the title, says, with its turd toilet, this tiny house is for um, <laughs> So this house, in, in using uh, an insane eliminated their sewage directly as long as they're remembering to as long as you process the leftovers the ash and that type of thing on a regular basis and in fact the spotlighted toilet in the Bill and Melinda Gates article is also an incinerating toilet Mm. Um, they both work a similar way in that they use a uh, either a flame or a, a high temperature heat canister to actually uh, burn up the waste, and in doing so, it basically is dehydrating it. It's a rapid dehydration, which is essentially the same process as composting. Incinerating just does it faster. Right. But again, it is electric. It is electric. So if you're going to pee, guys, you cannot aim for a socket where the toilet's plugged in. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, the socket is literally right next to the toilet, back, uh-huh. guys. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's like zapping yourself. <laughs> well, oh, we've seen we've seen advertisements for heated toilet seats. Yeah, yeah. And I know how much wear as as a handyman. I've seen some of the toilets that have gotten wear, a lot of wear, and they might you might shave parts of an inch. Off of the top of that toilet. Oh, yeah. You know, if you've got a toilet that's got a little heating element in it, I could, I, my concern would be is wearing that down enough so you're touching those elements and it's like, whoa, that's a wake-up call. 
Get a jolt when you sit down. <laughs> burn the biscuits. Uh huh. I burn the buns, not the biscuits. Oh hell. Either way. Whether you like buns or biscuits. I love the styling of the tiny home. I love the idea of the incinerating toilet on the surface because it does. It eliminates the the sewage issue completely. Uh, The downside is is you still have to process the waste. And this is the one thing that toilets um, throughout the ages have not been able to do. Somebody has to deal with the output of the toilet at some point in time. And so the idea of flush and forget is the first issue. We have to look beyond the flush and forget. We have to look at it's not a flush and forget. Take ownership of the waste that we're generating, whether it be in the bathroom, in the kitchen, or in the yard. There are reasonable ways to take these wastes and use them in a manner around our home that is both safe, it's hygienic, it's uh, renewable for the environment, and plus it gives us a model upon which to build our habitats both in orbit, on the moon, or on Mars. And there's a lot that we can learn by learning these practices. So, you know, I was thinking about uh, next week's subject subject matter, and maybe perhaps we could expand on the fact that about the uh, saving water issue and and how to go about being able to use water and store water and how much you would need to do with that. It's interesting you bring that up because one of one I don't of want my, to go into the whole subject now. Because, no. Okay. What I wanted to bring up was is, is that I have um, been following not only waste processing in other countries, but also how they handle water filtration and the needs for the communities that they come up against. And it's interesting that there are a lot of uh, solutions that come to mind as you look at how not only the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, but other foundations have gone over. And they're teaching people how to, from the basics of boiling the water, to actually learning about how to use natural methods of filtration to be able to prepare the water for drinking. And what we can do is I actually have a project for my bus is a multi-stage water filtration system that is designed to take the pond water from the bus and filter it so that it becomes clean, pure drinking water at the bottom. And this week, I'm actually... This is part of why I want to go over next week. Right, and I plan to do that because this week I'm planning on doing some testing of that filtration system, and I'll be able to report on those notes and results next week. We like research. Mm Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> okay, so, so with that, uh, do you want to say anything about our week? It's going to be. Oh, the coming week. It's coming week. It's water filtration week. We'll be putting uh, links up on Earthseed about water filtration, whether you're whether you're a prepper, whether you're just interested in yeah. something for the home, or whether you're actually looking at, at space settlement as, as I am. And We'll, we'll talk about some of the issues next week. We'll look at what's involved in water filtration. What are the issues? Yes. You know, we know about the bacteria and the things with human waste, but what we don't know is, is well, can how, how would you reuse the water 
from uh, from urine, for an example? Go. How could we take advantage we'll of go that? Go more and, into more into that, and and even deeper into the water. And we'll talk about some of the various different things out there, and we'll talk about some of the things and the various different water filtration processes that are out there today for our homes. Yay. So uh, just to remind you that all these links are on Earthseed Space on Facebook. So on Facebook, go up to your uh, search bar and go Earthseed. You will find Earthseed, all one word, and you'll get right to the right page for Earthseed, or you might have multiple choice, but You'll notice the earth seed logo that has earth in front of it and then the tiny seed that goes off to other planets. And that's what the logo is all about. And that is what we talk about is not just uh, how, how you create a sustainable energy here, but how does that, how's that going to uh, help us in the years to come as we're going on into space? So with that, this is KWAD Radio. And let me get that little catchy music on. Next Wednesday, or this Wednesday, it's upcoming Wednesday, on the, what day is that? That's the 14th. We will be uh, interviewing an author, Arizona author, actually. His name is Ronald Tobin, and he will be on live with us. At 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Arizona time, which is 3 o'clock, or no, 5 o'clock, yeah, that, that'll be 4 o'clock our time, 5 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, and of course, several hours early, earlier than that for Eastern Time. So, with that, we're done, and also next Sunday, we'll be back again, Alan Joe, and we'll be back again to talk about seed and about I guess coming week of course about water filtration and how to utilize our water. Also wanted to mention that we'll have other shows coming up in the weeks ahead on Wednesdays as well as Sundays. Wednesdays will be an interview days with me, uh, Joe, and I'll more likely not be around not around during the day. So it'll be usually just me talking to people. Which I like to do. They like to talk to me too, so they're. <laughs> it helps. But they like to talk to me too. So, with that, I am saying goodbye, and this is KWAD Radio signing off. Good night.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.